Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Asha Frost on with us. She is an enrolled member of the Cape Croker First Nation. She is an Anishinaabe medicine woman, spiritual mentor, ceremonial speaker, and author who believes wholeheartedly in the power within to heal our bodies, our spirits, and our lives. Welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I would love to, you know, give people a background on, you know, who you are and kind of um, what inspired you to write your new book. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been such a long journey that it feels like, oh yeah, I have to like, you know, hook into that time period of my life. Um, well, actually it was an invitation. Somebody said there is this diverse wisdom initiative happening at Hay House and they're looking for diverse voices. So would you want to write an essay and maybe see if you could It's be on this journey to write this book? And I was like, well, I never thought about writing a book really, but people are asking me to do that. So maybe this is a way in. So I wrote an essay and I got a spot at their um, workshop and then I had to write a proposal. So that took me seven months to do that. And when I wrote the proposal, I thought, oh, this is a thing. Like I could do this. I have a framework. I know exactly what I want to say. I've been writing for years just on social media into my newsletter. I really want to have all of my teachings in a place where I could just hand it to somebody and say, here you go. Um, here's a concise little you know, network of what, what I've been teaching. So um, yeah, but I didn't know I wrote it, I submitted it and then they gave me a deal. And that was like a shock. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm actually going to write a book now. So, so that's how it started. It wasn't even really like, um, I think it was in my field that I wanted to have this book, but I didn't really know until somebody actually said, why don't you try for this? And then it came to be. I love that. I, um, I wrote a book last year, so I totally understand the undertakings of like all of those, you know, practices and the outlines and then actually getting it pen to paper. So how long did it take you to write kind of the actual book or did it flow pretty easily once you kind of had that proposal done? No, definitely not because um, COVID had just sort of begun and my two-year-old was home. My two-year-old and my, he was, what was he, seven, I guess at the time, were home. Um, we were kind of in lockdown and that was when I started. That was really hard. Um, it was just really hard. I needed space. I needed mm -hmm this spaciousness I, I needed like to sit in this romantic you know little cafes and write or something and I didn't have any of that so I kind of grieved that a little bit writing this during COVID with two young kids off and on at home um home, you know trying to homeschool and then write the book and run my business at the same time was a lot so um it didn't flow it didn't flow the way that I would have liked it to I think um but some parts were easier than others that that came out but there were some times where I got to some difficult subject matters that I felt like there was blocks. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I want to talk about, you know, one of the subject matters in your book and, you know, you talk about rooting down into your own lineage and ancestral guides. So I would love for, you know, people are listening. They're like, Oh, I haven't thought about that. Or, you know, giving maybe an insight into why people maybe should be looking into doing that. Yeah. Well, I think like it's called, you are the medicine and it's from working with thousands of people over the last two decades as a homeopath actually initially to see that like homeopathy was this incredible way in it was like this energy medicine that um kind of just met that met that energy that everybody carries that power that people have to heal themselves like it, I, we have that power and i know we speak of that sort of like simply but um i saw it in homeopathy it was like this vibration or vital force that people had that they would come back to some sort of healing with a, with a reminder of a remedy. So that's where that sort of that essence and energy of returning back to that comes from. And then in that, it's how do you remember where you come from, mm -hmm. what lands you come from, 
who your ancestors are who dreamed you here? How do you return back to your true nature? I think all of those things we forget or systems have told us we're not enough in those things. So we just like cover or compensate them or something. Um, so that really is like important to come back to that remembering because I think that brings peace. It brings joy. Um, it sounds complicated, but I think it's kind of simple. So I think that those, we need more simplicity, I think, in our everyday lives and connecting to spirit is something that has always supported and guided me and my clients. So I feel like if that's true and I've seen that happen, I think everyone can do it. Yes. Um, can you speak about your, you know, how you use nature? I know you use nature quite a bit in your own practices. And that's something that I, I grew up on a farm and I'm very connected to nature. And, you know, over the weekend, I was like, I need to get out and just clear my head. And, you know, nature is always the best place for myself to do it. So I would love to know, you know, what practices do you do on the regular that kind of help root you down and root you back into your own inner wisdom? Oh goodness, I think my favorite, like I, as soon as you asked that, I saw this image of me like lying on the earth. It's my favorite <laughs> thing to do, to go in the forest and lie on the earth and look up at the trees in the sky and just getting a different vantage point sometimes, even getting down. You know, I remember saying to my therapist once, I feel really down. Like I feel, I, I was like in COVID and the kids were home and I was just like feeling really depressed. And I said, I feel really down. He's like, well, why don't you get down, get down mm -hmm. deeper. And ever since he shared that wisdom with me, I'm like, right. For me, getting down is like getting a different vantage point, looking up at the sky and something shifts in that moment. So that's one thing I walk every day um, because just being in the air in the with the wind is like really important to me. Um, and then bringing it inside, you know, just using our practices like smudging. So burning medicine, um, having those plants nearby is really important. Um, and knowing that we are nature. So I think that we are earth, we are land. Um, and just seeing that co-creation, like all of our kin as that, you know, we say we are one, but we truly are. We truly are one. Yeah. And I look at it from my Ayurvedic lens as well. And it's very much, you know, what's going on outside is going on inside of us. And like, you know, just kind of that wisdom of like, this is, you know, we're kind of in that transitional period, you know, into the spring season and just kind of noticing what does that do internally to us? And um, I think that's so important for us just to even slow down and realize that. And that's, I know another piece that you speak about is rest and, you know, taking rest and self-care. Um, is that something that, you know, you always practiced or was that kind of like a learning curve where you're like, oh yeah, this happened and rest was needed. It's still a learning curve. <laughs> hey, I think, I think that, um, finding rest and feeling worthy of rest, mm -hmm. especially in this capitalistic colonial society, patriarchal society, is really hard. Um, so it's a constant journey for me to say, you don't have to earn that for the longest time. I'd be like, oh, I worked really hard this week. So now I deserve to rest versus infusing that into my days, which I have to admit is really hard being a mother to two young children and having a business. And, um, sometimes there isn't, sometimes my rest is like, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Like that's, it's not a nap. It's just, okay, you have to rest tonight and get a really good sleep, or you're going to take 10 minutes and take a bath. Um, because that's really where you need that rest. So I try to infuse those things, but it was from getting sick. Like I have lupus and throughout my lifetime, my body has been such a beautiful teacher, but I have not listened. So I push way beyond my capacity. Like I still can do that if it's times of like launch, like now, you know, where it's like my body's like, oh, you're tired. Um, and that sort of voice is still really powerful that says like, you got to keep going, you got to push harder. 
um, you got to do more. So rest is like medicine to me that I have to be reminded of often. I mean, you're, you're not alone. And that is, I think many people, well, myself, um, like the Pitta, you know, I'm a Pitta Ayurvedically speaking, and that's like that drive that go. And, um, you know, sometimes we all have that wall that we, that we hit and we're like, yep, now this is my teacher and leaning into that and trusting that, okay, this is something that can't be one and done. You know, I fixed X, Y, Z, and now I can go back to the hustle mode, but it's not how our bodies work. Yes, indeed. Well, I would love to know, um, you know, since you are kind of in the middle of your book launch, how have you kind of infused your day with rest right now, just for people who might be listening and they're like, oh man, I would love to rest more, but I can't because I might be in that hustle mode or I have to get out and show up. You know, how have you kind of sprinkled things in? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I try to do a lot of nervous system practices. So after each interview or it's mostly interviews, I do a little bit of shaking or some breath work or something where it's just like trying to, I'm also highly sensitive. So I like pick up on a lot of energy and I find that can make me really tired. So being really clear of like, that's not my energy. I'll do a smudge. So sometimes rest is like also kind of boundaries to energy that do exhaust me and just being really clear of like, what is mine and what's not. Um, but I have say this time is essential that I take a salt bath every day. That's really important for me. I don't have the space necessarily to take a nap. Um, every day, but that would be my wish. That is my wish and dream for April. <laughs> to take a nap every day. That will be like something I'm dreaming of. I love that. Um, you know, kind of talking about the self-trust. I think that's a piece that I'm, I'm super passionate about and, you know, helping people have that self-trust. What do you kind of, um, you know, go maybe in your book or maybe just in some of the practices, how do you kind of help develop that muscle for people learning to, you know, decide like, you know, for you, you just said that energy is not mine. You know, maybe some people are like, oh, I've never thought of it like that. How can people step into that and realize, oh, I can trust myself. I think that came from being a homeopath actually. And like the questions we'd ask would be like, what is the sensation of that in your body? What is that? What would it be like to live with that if I was living with it? And it got me into this sort of really somatic experience of like, oh my goodness, that experience with that person makes my heart flutter or that experience with that situation hurts my lymph nodes. Like I'd be, I was just so sensitive and I, I could really name that out loud. So I, I almost think practicing that every day because we're so fast and we just bypass our bodies. So e we're, we're trained to bypass our bodies so easily. So naming, I think out loud, oh my goodness, that being in that situation, it's usually for me like a relational experience. And then I come away feeling a certain way in my physical body um, starts to just bring some awareness to how we're actually feeling. Um, or even like scaling it on one to 10, like what is my energy like today? What is my capacity today out of 10? And I think that um, that practice in itself, because we push past capacity all the time, we don't even, our society doesn't ask us that question. We're just expected to go beyond our capacity always. So those are the things I think are really important questions every day. Mm -hmm. Like that. And that's, um, is that stuff that you teach in your book? Are these practices, you know, or do you have practices in the book? I ordered, I'm super excited and I'll get it next are, week. There are some practices. I think the capacity practices in there for sure. Um, I think I do, I offer journeys in the book. So I think the audible version will be really helpful for folks to listen to because it's it's like an experiential kind of like listening experience where they can feel into maybe their bodies or their hearts. Mm -hmm. But I also have a lot of questions, like it's reflection. 
So I'm hoping because I love, I'm a projector in human design. So I love questions and I, um, I'm hoping okay. that folks will like answer, um, answer those questions and then be able to feel what they're feeling in their hearts or their bodies or their spirits. So I think that it's infused in the book, just not in like step one, step two, step three, it's more just like infused in the whole writing of the book. I love that. I love that. Um, well, I want to kind of ask this is totally my own personal question. Cause I know you work with, you know, animal guides mm -hmm. and I have like one of my favorite trail and I just saw six deer and they just stopped and we stare. And I, I mean, deer medicine is something that always speaks to me. So I would love for you to chat a little bit about, you know, maybe animal guides and, you know, medicine and what, you know, what are the teachers out in nature that people, um, you know, a lot of my listeners do go out in nature quite a bit that people might see and what that actually means. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, I do like to call it animal medicine. So thanks for like saying that, because I think, you know, we have the term spirit, animal, animal, spirit, animal, totem. And for me, it really is like, this animal is infusing a remembering or this animal is infusing something that maybe you haven't claimed in yourself fully. That's, it's like a mirror in some way that's sort of able to like, I don't know, make magic with your, with yourself. So when you see a deer, like, I mean, I would think if I saw six deer, I'd be like, whoa, that is a gift. That is magic right there. Like, and I'd be like, where do I need some more deer medicine in my life? Where am I not being gentle or soft with myself? Um, where can I add more compassion to my being? All of those things. So that can happen in the wild, like in nature, you could see animals. Um, my favorite way probably is to do like a guided journey because everybody could experience that and to um, open up to the animal that comes to them then. I know animals come to me in dreams all the time as messengers. So that is a way that animal spirit medicine comes my way. And sometimes it's as simple as like, you know, my little boy loves like narwhal. So it would be like, you know, there's a narwhal and a narwhal. And I'll be like, what is that? You know, what is that narwhal trying to tell me? Because it can come in different synchronistic ways. So I think being open to the possibility that animals are trying to offer us medicine is, is a beautiful thing to start with. And then, uh, you know, dream medicine is something that I, um, well, sometimes a lot of us, we get up and we forget our dream or, you know, we had good intentions of writing it down and then we forgot, um, you know, what is, what is that kind of telling us is our subconscious or, you know, what should we be kind of pulling from those dreams, um, so that we do remember key pieces that we might have some insight into. Yeah. I think that's why keeping a dream journal is so important because we will forget, right. What, what we dreamed about. Um, and I think sometimes, sometimes it's our subconscious. Sometimes I think it's direct spirit messages, you know? Um, sometimes I think we're astral traveling, like people will say, I dreamed about you came and gave me a remedy or you came and gave me a healing. And I thought, oh, I was busy last night. So I think that there is like that also connection to the spirit world because our minds aren't getting in the way anymore when we're passed out. Right. So um, I think that it's hard if we're always trying to interpret. I think that I always like to see, OK, so let's say I have this dream about orcas that come kind of in a cyclical nature, like I'll have them right when I'm about to do something big, when I'm trying to stretch beyond my comfort zone. These oracles and they're huge and they're all like breaching out of the water. Um, so I'll just be like, okay, what does an orca jumping out of the ocean mean for me? You know, and really asking, taking some time to ask yourself those questions. And, oh, that is a, an orca is a huge animal. It's, it's asking me to get big. It's asking me to leap in big ways. And so I think that, you can just ask yourself and it will reveal, it will reveal itself. If you have, well, this is also a personal one that's happened to me a couple of times, but I've had pets that, 
Um, like I've had a dog that died. I mean, I was not even in the same state and I, he came or she came to me in the dream. And then my mom called me the next day to let me know that, you know, we had to put our, put our dog down. And I was like, oh my goodness, like shadow came to me in the dream. And then, um, just a few years ago, my cat was underneath our bed and I woke up and I was like, our schnittles is going to pass away. Like she came to me in the dream and it just was very clear, same as shadow. And so, um, and this happened to me now twice. And so I'm just like, is this is like a the same thing, like a sign where you're like, I was just tapped into that spiritual realm and just that, you know, I mean, from my experience, that is direct visiting, right? That's direct visiting. It's just like a channel for them to come in. And um, you could see it as an interpretation. Maybe sh- maybe the dog is you or you. I don't know how that works, but I think that's a very psychological way of seeing it. And I think from an indigenous standpoint, dreams um, were a place where prophecies would come. Mm-hmm. Dreams are a place where the spirit world comes in. So I think I would say that your dogs are visiting you and the spirit of your dogs are are in there, you know, and coming. Oh yeah. That was my, just the odd. And I'm like, all of my friends were like, I don't want to come and visit you in a dream. <laughs> I was like, no, it's just seems to be pets. I'm like, I'm not sure. So, oh. well, um, I want to know a little bit more, you know, about your book. Who did you write your book for? Um, you know, if someone's kind of listening they're like, oh yeah, that sounds kind of interesting. I think I wrote it for, um, people who want to learn about how to be a good ally to indigenous people um, on Turtle Island. I think that's really important in the conversations now. I wrote it for people who want to learn how to maybe use indigenous teachings in a way where they're not appropriating or doing harm. Um, I wrote it for people who want to dive deeper within themselves, like just um, through ceremony or through ritual, and they don't have to be complicated. Like my words in my book are very there's storytelling, right? And I'm hoping the storytelling will invite something, a truth of yours to come forward. So it really is an invitation. Um, there is like information in there as well about indigenous teachings and the moons and the animal medicines and the spirits, um, ancestral guidance. So there's a lot of information that is complete in those in those ways. But I kind of would love if you feel sort of like your soul is craving connection. Like, I think it's a book that creates a deeper connection to yourself first and foremost, and then the spirit world and each other. I think all of humanity as well. Hmm. The one um, appropriation is something that I think that can percolate up. And that's something that, um, you know, you just spoke on. And if people are listening, they're like, how can I, you know, maybe go about some of these practices without appropriating, um, you know, what is kind of people's or your suggestion on, you know, how can people start doing that? Or what does that, what does appropriation look like if people are even just confused on what that means? Yeah. So my book's a really good resource for that. Um, I have sort of top 10 things to do to appreciate, not appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, indigenous culture and medicines are appropriated very, very often, and it causes a lot of harm and a lot of damage. So just understanding the history of if you're on Turtle Island, there's, it's easy to find out the history of our people. And it's easy to find out what's happening in indigenous communities right now. And we are still here. I think people think this is like a past thing. So I would say if you're taking something like a dream catcher or smudge or feathers, um, and you're, you're wanting to use these in a good way, um, know the history of, of the people that you're taking it from. Um, are you uplifting them? Are you supporting them? These things are really important because what has happened, people are more conscious now, but I'd say maybe five years ago, 
you'd see the Facebook ads with like people just using their smudge wand and um, you'd see people wearing headdresses on, on Instagram, or you'd see people um, using these medicines in inappropriate ways and also co-opting them and then making money off of them. And if you're doing that, then, and you're not paying attention to the lack of clean water, the missing and murdered indigenous women, the rate of suicide and alcoholism and violence in our communities and why that is and the residential school trauma, then you're going to do harm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of people I'm not, we're not a monolith. So I, everybody would speak of that differently, but um, that's important. It's an important part of my book too. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great resource then to start and, um, you know, share. Cause I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, maybe just like scared to like, even where do I start and where to go? So I think that's going to be a great tool. So thank you for sharing that. And I also wanted to say, like, I, I've been talking about this because I had, um, I wrote a letter to white women that went viral, like two and a half years ago. That's where all this sort of started talking about appropriation. And, um, I also just share it with a really, through a lens of compassion. Like we cannot come together unless we're being compassionate with ourselves because if we become defensive, we're not holding compassion, right? We're just immediately like shaming ourselves. That's where defensiveness, defense, defensiveness comes from or blaming. So it's like, how can we have these conversations with compassion? First and foremost, knowing that we all make mistakes, we all can make amends, we all can do repair. That's just part of being a human. So these conversations are always under the energy of compassion. Yes. Yes. And I do, I do remember seeing that a few years ago. Now that you said that, yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to have to revisit that and read it again. Cause I think it's, I'm sure worth, worth reading and probably helped inspire the book then. It's in the book. It's in the book. Actually. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and people can buy your book at Barnes Noble, Amazon, everywhere everywhere they can get it everywhere yes um and if you um there's like a ceremony guide that i wrote that goes along with it if you want to follow it so you if you do buy it you can go to youarethemedicinebook.com and receive your free ceremony guide um as it's a really beautiful accompaniment to reading the book i hope to do that um i would love to uh, have people connect with you where can they find you on social media website and um you know where's the best place to kind of get in touch with you the best place probably is asha.frost on Instagram. That's where I tend to show up the most with the most relevant things. Um, but my website's ashafrost.com. So that's where like newer offerings will be shared when that comes to, comes to my mind when I'm going to do that. So that will be a good place. And you can sign up for my newsletter there too. Perfect. Well, I just have one final question for you. And I always like to have a weekly challenge. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone. So what would you like that to be this week? Hmm. I would love you to take a pause in some way this week um, in your day. So we talked about rest a lot and how can you bring in the medicine of rest, even if it's not an actual nap, how can you bring that into your day? I love it. I love that. And it's so needed. So thank you so much, Asha, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and about your book. And I hope people go out and um, buy the book. I know I'm super excited for it to arrive. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me, Andrea. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.